Hi, everyone. Uh, Prashant here, back with another session on product management across the world. Today, I have Atir, who's from joining us from Lahore, Pakistan. And he's actually my neighbor also because I come from Amritsar, Punjab. Today, we'll be talking about product management in Pakistan, user tech ecosystem, and would like to know more about the country, which is very closely related also. And would like to know Atir's journey. He has been in product management for close to 13 years. He has worked in Dubai. He studied in USA. And now he's building products in Pakistan for USA audience, which is even more interesting. So Atir would give you the stage to introduce yourself. And then we'll take it forward one by one. Sure. Thank you so much, Prashant. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, you know, kudos to you for doing this and trying to get the product management community on a global level together. I think uh, there's just a lot of need uh, for us to communicate with each other and learn from each other's experiences. Um, as far as I'm concerned, my name is Arthur. Uh, my product management journey sort of came um, sort of by accident, to be honest. Like I started off in 2006 after graduating from Lahore Uni University of Management Sciences as a software engineer. I was working at Technologix, which is one of the software houses in Lahore. Uh, and then, you know, I got a scholarship uh, to go abroad uh, to the University of Pennsylvania, um, the Fulbright Scholarship. And I, as I was studying there, uh, once after my first year of master's, uh, I got this opportunity and I applied for uh, a Microsoft program manager internship. Um, I had no idea whether I'd be getting in there or not, but I just tried uh, to apply and, you know, luck uh, ran my way, I guess. And, uh, and you know, from one interview to another, things uh, started working out. And then I landed that program in manager internship. At that time, product management, I didn't know anything about product management. I had no clue what it was, but it sounded something interesting. All I knew was that I don't want to be programming all my life because I had already worked uh, in a software house uh, for, for a year. So I wanted to try something new. And I wanted to do it in the middle year between the two years of my master's so that, you know, I had more clarity what to do when I graduated. So, uh, you know, I got into that uh, internship role. Uh, it was three months in uh, Seattle, Redmond. Um, and uh, I spent that uh, time in Microsoft uh, uh, Office Business Applications Framework, OBAF. And I was, uh, I meant to basically, there was dynamic CRM online at that time. It was a new launch of their CRM and they were trying to hook that up with Microsoft Outlook and there was trying to, create that integration. So I was uh, thrown into that deep end. And interestingly, I was asked that, uh, you know, Arthur, like uh, we don't even have uh, a problem for you. You're going to define the problem yourself and you're going to solve it yourself, which was something I had never done before. So I was running around hundred different buildings um, in that Redmond campus, you know, trying to get these calls done from God knows who, like, you know, like these people are like the juggernauts and giants of, of, of development, like 16, 20 years of experience. And I, I had no clue who I was talking to and they, you know, but you know, they were graceful enough to entertain me and whatnot. So that's when, that was my first touch with product management and sort of understanding of, oh, okay, so this is what it requires. You know, it requires a lot of collaboration and communication and building stuff and trying to decide what's the best way. Uh, after I graduated from Penn, I went back, finished my uh, studies. Uh, I came back to Park. I was supposed to come back to Pakistan primarily out of necessity. My, my Fulbright scholarship basically mandated that I had served two years before I could go any, every, anywhere abroad. So unlike my my peers who wanted to work outside, I had to like actually work um, in Pakistan and uh, and I had to find something for the two two and a half years that uh, I was uh, I had to complete. So. 
I started like sending out applications to very specific companies where I knew that they were creating products. Um, and, you know, I just would tell them that I'm, I'm interested in product management. So I faced a lot of rejection at that time. Uh, people wanted to uh, hire project managers or software engineers, and they always wanted, you know, you need to know coding because fine, you can do a bit of product, but you still need to engineer. Because the product culture at that time in Pakistan was very, very rudimentary. Uh, however, I landed uh, uh, a really amazing gig, and I was completely 100% fortunate to get that uh, with Park Wheels, which is uh, Pakistan's number one automobile community. They just had uh, acquired uh, the, the Park Wheels uh, marketplace at that time from another founder, and they needed a product manager to take it up to the next level. So, you know, uh, think of Edmunds or Auto Trader, but, but it was a very forum community focused platform at that time. So after a couple of very strenuous interviews, I got hired as the first product manager at Parkwheels. And that's when my official product manager journey started. I worked two and a half years there at Parkwheels, working on growth primarily, trying to you know increase that uh, 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 that community size. And uh, you know we took it, nearly doubled uh, the traffic and the sessions though, over those two years. So that was a great, great learning experience. And uh, my first mentor, Muhammad Raza Saeed, was uh, an amazing, amazing person to, to really, really learn from. Um, after that, uh, like uh, towards the tail end of my Park Wheels journey, I got a call from a senior from my, my university at LUMS. And, uh, and he basically said that, you know, we have an opportunity coming up. Uh, we've already seen that you've done something in Yellow Motor. We have a very similar thing that we want to do in the Middle East region. So would you be interested? Um, you know, short, long story short, I got selected for that position and I flew to Dubai and my first project was there was to set up a portal called Yella Motor, which was exactly the same concept as Park Wheels, but it was at a regional level, right, for the MENA region. Um, so that was, uh, I took nearly a year of product management to, you know, set that up, got that growth engine going. Um, and a lot of the learnings that I had from Park Wheels were fueled into there. So, so it was a hopefully a bit short circuited in that respect. After that, uh, you know, after that first product management stint, uh, I think the company realized that I, I could, you know, probably put uh, a lot of more inputs in other projects. Uh, so then uh, I went into software as a service uh, solutions, uh, applicant tracking systems. Uh, one of them is called Talentera. Um, I sort of got into the product fold over there. Uh, there was another new project that they had at that time within Bait.com. Sorry, I, I failed to mention that Bait.com was the umbrella group that I was hired for. So. Um, then they also pushed me uh, towards this new project called VFairs, which was at that time a very fledgling virtual events platform. Um, and then I started doing product marketing as well. So I sort of veered into that. Uh, and then from there, like internal projects, external projects, consultancies, like all kinds of stuff was happening in the six years I was in Dubai and I got flavors of pre-sales to post-sales to customer support to product management and everything. Um, and then towards um, 2017, um, that's when basically we sort of decided or Bait.com decided that uh, they wanted a, an engineering campus in Pakistan. And that's when uh, I sort of uh, raised my hand and I said that I'd, I'd, be, I'd love to create a, a community over there and, and create this uh, engineering campus and hire des designers and developers for you. So I went there and then since 2017, creating this marketing team and whatnot for um, the various products that uh, Bait had, applicant tracking systems, VFairs, et cetera. 2020 March, when the pandemic happened, um, that's when VFairs actually exploded, right? Because virtual events platforms went through the roof since the physical conferences uh, shuttered down. Uh, and then I sort of moved full-time to VFairs simply because of that amazing growth that we had. 
And uh, I sort of moved into this product marketing slash product strategy role. Uh, and that's what I've been doing for the past year or so um, and just sustaining this. And now we're growing, growing very fast. So we went for VFairs, we went from 35 to 235 in nearly 12 months. And that's where I am right now. Sorry for that long, long no, journey. It is super helpful to know the journey. And honestly, I can relate. Like most of the people who start into product as their first thing, that happens by luck. I I started yeah. as a PM directly without any other uh, job. And it was good mm. luck because the guy who was hiring, he rejected me. And then he, I was telling him how to improve his product. And he said, yeah. you, they were hiring for business analyst. And he said, right. you cannot be a BA, but you have good product sense. Let me give you a shot. And sure. I didn't know what is product management, tried to Google and get to know. Right. That's a very common thing which I have been hearing and yeah. it's good to know that we all are in the same boat. Uh, yeah. Another interesting thing which I liked about the journey was uh, you, you started in Lahore and as you said, back mm-hmm. then there was not enough tech ecosystem and I sure. actually come from the neighbor city which is Amritsar on the other side of the border and there's still no tech system there. Like there's no company there in uh, Amritsar. So I would love to know that. How many tech startups do you think now? How's the tech ecosystem? Are there enough product design engineering folks now uh, in Lahore? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's completely flipped around, Prashant, in the past 10 years. Like when I started out in 2011, um, there were only a handful of product companies that I could even count on my fingers, like Zameen.com, which was a property uh, tech uh, marketplace. Parkwheels was another one. A couple of others, uh, um, which were just, you know, doing their own job, either targeting the Pakistan audience or outside. But now in the last three years, uh, especially with the fact that startups in Pakistan have now started attracted a lot of funding. So for example, just this year alone in the first seven months, we've seen $120 million coming in and every sector is booming. So FinTech, you've got yeah. like the likes of SadaPay and Finja and um, and then in, even in B2B retail, there's Bazaar Technologies, the retailer that have uh, attracted, uh, uh, you know, a lot of funding. Then even in the grocery delivery apps uh, that, uh, you know, for example, Grocer app, um, and then uh, you've got like uh, Airlift Express also going into this, uh, Daraz has also started it. So now now the, the product space is just exploded in the last one, uh, one and a half years, especially because of the pandemic, some of that was out of necessity. Uh, and But there was just this growing, need and and uh, awareness of that you know how products can potentially be built in Pakistan specifically for the Pakistan market because of our population size you know 220 million is not a small uh, pocket size and and that's the next new hub that a lot of investors are even uh, trying to target for example we don't have any pushover investors Kleiner Perkins is uh, you know investing why why Combinator is also interested in this region now simply because a the internet penetration uh, rate is extremely exceptionally uh, the population size is uh, really high. Payment methods are becoming much more mature than they were back in 2010, 2011. So now the Lahore and Karachi, um, and to a certain extent, Islamabad, these have become really hot startup hubs. I talk to you know entrepreneurs every now and then. They have these amazing product ideas. Uh, 
and and now it's it's just uh, it's so heartening to see that you know there there's just a lot of uh, momentum building up even yesterday's event that i did uh, epic zero i got to hear you know startup stories and and the kind of enthusiasm these kids had like the kind of questions we were asking as product managers 10 years ago but like the abcs and these these kids that have they've come up are way ahead from what we were at that time yeah. and and i was telling them that you know the kind of questions you're asking like ab testing and you know you're talking about kubernetes and whatnot we didn't even know any of this when we started out so i i'll tell you similar thing uh i hired a pm intern he's in third year of college and when i was in third year i was basically doing nothing and <laughs> now Same. they they have access to internet they have access to uh as you said penetration and there is abundance of knowledge twitter linkedin medium stack overflow every you can find anything you want to do you can find the resources sure back sure. when we started we were still struggling and i think no code platforms have did a 100%. lot of push uh, i have definitely read a lot about investment opportunities and in pakistan and i actually 3 years back 3 uh, 4 years now i was in indonesia which was actually at that same same thing which you said because of in- internet abundance internet was free 4g penetrated a uh, huge population 250 million people uh, democratically young population and they were seeing the growth but i this is another question follow up question uh in indonesia what happened was there was a lack of talent meaning uh now it has changed now they are so superb engineer but if you see big companies in indonesia they set up their engineering centers in india traveloka gojek tokopedia bukalapa and so on because and they hired people from india if you see a lot of senior folks in gojek etc they are indian and that was the basically uh, work style you have a good company they raise funding but there was lack of talent pool so they opened up a center in india hired a senior guy so that was the operation center how in uh, pakistan like talent is it good enough uh, how the company fancying So I think the lucky part with with Pakistan is that as far as engineering talent is concerned there's never been a shortage because you know primarily in the early 2000s Pakistan uh, most of the companies over here were for, uh, focusing on outsourced uh, you know uh, basically services India. right so because of that the engineering processes project management processes the talent was never short uh, every year uh our universities used to push out uh, this software bunch uh, who used to go to these premier software houses and learned all those languages to to code up and 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 you know develop a really great uh, scalable applications uh i i think what's what's happened right now and and the gap where where we're seeing is in the product management sphere that's that's the weird, major gap where we're going to be actually facing primarily because now we're getting a lot of funding we don't have enough examples of you know companies with user bases of 100 million right now right wow. in pakistan right so so there are not many references to go by when it comes to managing a product of that size which is very specific and tailored to pakistan um yeah. and which is why there's such an immense need to cultivate the product management community and grow them up as a as a talent base uh, so uh, in and engineering as well like of course you know you 
the engineering talent would be as good as the exposure you give them. So if they haven't had had those exposures to managing a platform of the size of a Netflix or an Amazon, then obviously they're going to hit a ceiling at some point, right? Yeah. They're going to say, this is beyond what, I, uh, uh, what I've seen. But I think the raw talent exists. Uh, I think that there's enough passion and motivation. Um, and we're also seeing a lot of uh, these, uh, uh, you know, new uh, talent uh, that has gone abroad is now trying to come back as well because yeah. they want to start up something for Pakistan and whatnot. So that's a great trend as well. Uh, but but having said that, uh, we have to be vigilant of the fact that there is a certain experience and skill gap, which can only be filled out with community building, with more yeah. education, uh, with more mentors coming in and trying to train um, uh, train these uh, young kids. So no shortage of talent or, uh, or you know, that fire. It's yeah. just uh, we need a bit more of uh, systems. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. A similar thing happened with India, like service economy, shifting to product economy. Yeah. We had talent, but processes were not in place. Mm. Uh, people knew how to code, but they did not have the imagination what to build. Right. Absolutely. Now, now with in last ten years, like there were first generation of founders, then second, then third. Now there is fourth generation where, like, there is enough people who, like, when I got out of college, people were not thinking to start up seven years back, six years mm-hmm. back. Now mm-hmm. people are thinking in college to start up. Mm-hmm. so that thing changed over time. That yeah. people started taking their people knew okay what they can build how they can build, who are the right mentors. Now, if mm. you see in India, a lot of investment is coming from people who have either been founders, who have been at, at a startup which grow mm. in wealth and they made a lot of money. Now they right. invest. So mm. that, I think I totally relate to that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, another point which from the first introduction only, you mentioned that you worked in Microsoft in USA. Then you worked in uh, Dubai in the MENA region, and now you're back uh, to Pakistan. So how will you compare what are the likes, what are differences, similarities, working in these three different regions? Uh, mm-hmm. what, what is your observation? Uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, so I think uh, as far as the uh, likeness is concerned, I think... Uh, you know, as far as the product management discipline is concerned, I think the principles stay the same. So regardless of whether you're in Pakistan, Dubai, or uh, in USA, you still have to have that collaborative nature. You have to have that curiosity for the customer. Uh, you know, you have to have the project management, time management sense, and uh, be able to adjust to different type of people. You know, you want to know how they talk, speak, understand their jargon, etc. So I think those are the like, but obviously like when it comes to Redmond, the talent over there is completely at a different level, right? So they've, they've seen, they they're, have so many considerations and checklists and processes that uh, sometimes feel a bit overkill for anything that I would be doing in Pakistan as well, right? Like I don't, they're, you know, even when we're trying to launch over there, I remember I had to actually talk to legal and then I had to, another thing for uh, accessibility compliance, right? Yeah. And I was like, this is the last thing that I would think about in, in you know, um, uh, building a very small startup in Pakistan. But now, like with VFair scaling, now we're actually considering all those things. So they're definitely at a different league altogether. And the kind of talent, like, you know, people who have worked 15 to 20 years, the kind of solutions that they're coming up with, the efficiencies, considerations they have, that blows your mind. Um, and obviously, like the infrastructure that they have access to tools, completely different. In Dubai, it's it's also uh, now it's picking up definitely. Like you know, they're they're uh, 
miles ahead of what they were in five to six years ago. Uh, in Dubai specifically, I think for the customer audience, I think what's the challenge is that it's such a mix because there's so many expatriates in, in Dubai and in that region that even when you're building, the customer personas are so diverse that, uh, that you have to also take into multiple considerations uh, when, when you're trying to launch something. And then even to do a focus group or try to do a survey, uh, you have to always think about that, you know, there's so many different backgrounds and demographics and psychographics in play that whatever you're building uh, will still need further and further validation. And you'll, you'll have to think about, you know, different aspects. Uh, language is, is a, a definitely uh, an interesting element in the Dubai and the MENA region, not so much in, in America or Pakistan. Pakistan, there's a certain set of standard of English that everybody understands. Urdu is the primary language. States, everybody understands English. In, in, in the MENA region, you've got like Arabic and then there's English and then there's Hindi. And then, you know, you have to think about, you know, people might be in uh, speaking in Malay or, or other languages that you, you want to make sure that you have those considerations in mind. And then the backgrounds and, and cultural differences that they have. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a bit more about Dubai. And then uh, obviously Pakistan, um, we have different challenges altogether, infrastructural challenges, right? So we don't have a recurring payment system right now in Pakistan. Um, the way people pay uh, is, is a bit entirely different. Not everyone has a debit card or, or, or a, a credit card. Uh, the literacy rate in Pakistan is 59%. Now, because of that, you have to also think about the level of English that you can write on an app and the instructional copy. Uh, so you have to sort of think about different uh, levels of uh, uh, you know uh, grammar that you can come up with. The Roman English and Romanized Urdu is another uh, facet that you might want to consider. So Pakistan, although it's a, it's a very singular audience, uh, they have a completely different set of challenges and limitations that you have to abide by to to really run a scalable app there. So those are a little uh, some of the likenesses and, and differences. Interesting. I mean, uh, in India also the problem is vernacular. You can reach to talk 10% of the people, but yeah. when you have to go further down, you need to like Tamil, then you have yeah. uh, Hindi, then you have Punjabi, uh, Kannada, all those yeah. languages come into play. And yeah. this is actually very, uh, you see this in Southeast Asia also and Europe also. I was interviewing with someone in Europe. They have Deliveroo app and France to London to uh, Italy, the language need to be different in German. You have to Germany. In Southeast yep. Asia, if you are launching, you cannot have in English because English penetration oh. is very low. So you right. need to have in Malay, Bahasa. Singapore English works, but then you need to go to Thailand and Vietnam mm -hmm. language changes. Mm -hmm. So that's quite mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. To know another continuity of Pakistan, which I would like to ask is mm -hmm. what are the some of the trends in the products coming up meaning in India, for example content creators are coming up a lot so that is clear. now uh, millennials and gen z's are coming up uh, they have different needs uh, ed tech is booming in uh, india a lot so what are the trends you are seeing in startups and products in pakistan I think uh, it kind of also varies. Like in 2019, there was this boom for logistics and transportation. So, you know, like uh, the kinds of uh, airlift had uh, 
uh, was a, is a sort of a mass transportation bus service that uh, launched. Swivel was another competitor to it. Um, and then there was uh, logistics companies like Chite and uh, they were coming up and, and really uh, gaining momentum. But then when the pandemic happened, a lot of these companies had to sort of pivot and, and you know, sort of adjust themselves. Right now, the trends that I see primarily are uh, definitely for grocery delivery um, and delivery transportation services are, are uh, definitely some of the, the more trending uh, uh, category. Uh, FinTech is, is taking a lot of uh, uh, attention and, and it's, it's really booming hard over here simply because of, you know, there has been challenges in, in payments uh, uh, for, uh, especially for e-commerce websites and whatnot. There are not many uh, payment solutions which are mainstream. So now people are coming up with various uh, methodologies uh, so that it becomes easier for consumers to pay and exchange money from each other. So uh, for the likes of Sada Pay uh, is, is one of them that's uh, that's really coming in hard on that. Uh, and then, um, you know, apart from the health tech is is another, and ed tech. These two are, are platforms that I see that uh, are growing in, in uh, um, you know, uh, in momentum as well. So in healthcare, like we've got meds and more, Dawai, uh, we've got augment care, the, all of them, some of these have actually accrued some funding as well. And then in ed tech, we've got educative and ed casa. Um, and ed tech is interesting because, you know, we have a large rural population and, you know, to impart education to them at that particular uh, rural, you know, population, which is remote, they may not have the best internet connectivity, trying to solve those hard problems at scale uh, is a completely different beast altogether. So, so that's, uh, that's an interesting space. So these are some of the three or four trends that I'm seeing a lot um, that are growing. Uh, and, and I think there's, there's a very small portion, which I'm specifically more interested in, which is software as a service. Um, and yeah. for example, uh, Blink is is one one of the platforms, and uh, there's another called Repair Desk uh, uh, that I've uh, recently consulted with as well. So they're trying to solve uh, you know this subscription model so that they can actually offer these services uh, even for an international audience. Uh, but that's a much more smaller and minute uh, category. But uh, my hope is that that actually starts uh, booming as well because uh, you know that subscription economy is also important for us. But yeah, uh, those are some of the the trends that I see. So that is actually very like you know in india also SaaS is booming meaning people are building in india but then they are built for global audience like you can see charge mm-hmm. one of them postman another yeah. so there are a couple of startups which are doing fresh test etc uh, mm-hmm. do you see uh, another question related to pakistan audience uh, are they mobile first mm-hmm. or desktop first for example if you go to USA and Europe, they are desktop first. They started their first interaction with, uh, now it's changing, but people were desktop first. Whereas if you go to India, Southeast Asia, they are mobile first because their first interaction with internet was through mobile. So what is the... Oh, absolutely. Uh, it is mobile first. Uh, in fact, like uh, even if you look at uh, all the tiers of, uh, you know, um, uh, professionals, uh, whether they are blue collar workers or white collar workers, like everybody has a mobile phone. And sometimes you'll be surprised that, uh, that the person who's driving the Uber cab has a better mobile phone than you. Right. So so you would be like, you know, that the guys are already doing and they are. And it's not just at that level in terms of literacy. It's also 
uh, even like how the uh, uh, the new generation is coming up like every single kid knows how to you know ma- navigate through a mobile phone and and a tablet uh, their exposure to desktop comes far later uh, yeah. as as you know uh, mobile does so that's why like you know things like tiktok have also taken off simply because of that mobile first nature even content creators in pakistan i believe that uh, youtube is already there but uh, definitely tiktok has taken a much sharper curve simply because of the accessibility that it affords everybody uh, to start creating content so yes mobile first is uh, is uh, is a big thing over here and that's why also a lot of these um, you know these uh, uh, startups that i mentioned uh, like whether that's uh, daraz or whether that's uh, a grocery a grocer app all of them have mobile apps and those were the primary source of you know initial growth for them um and uh, yeah and that's how how i think the trend will remain um oh got it that is super interesting because uh i think when you have mobile first approach the products you are building are very different like sure super apps i very common in eastern part of the world but if you mm-hmm. go to western part of the world people are still not used to super yeah. apps because yeah. they are not used to that so that yeah. is you see the differences and as you mentioned that now people are building in pakistan but slowly they are building for global audience so that trend will mm-hmm. continue to grow if you see in india singapore that has happened so definitely will happen in pakistan yeah. uh do you think like in india what i see is there are not enough expats meaning people are not coming to work mm. in india whereas if you go to indonesia mm. people are coming from outside to work in india and i saw this trend yeah. in japan also mm. uh, there were 19 uh, people from 19 different countries uh, who were mm. working in my team in japan and usa also uh, now one question uh, thing could be i people coming and working you said they are coming back from usa but other countries nearby countries they're coming mm. and wo- uh, working in japan oh sorry pakistan and mm. yeah the second question is remote environment like right. are people hiring remote people or taking remote jobs yeah, yeah so the first uh, question um uh, there is definitely a trend of uh, people coming back in fact i'd i'd probably quote uh, an interesting term coined by one of our investors in the in the pakistani market atif awan and he's coined this term called wapistanis so you know people coming you know wapis to pakistan uh, and he's trying to get that trend um, uh, you know established uh, I, so you know you, we have to be mindful of obviously the limitations or barriers for you know an influx mass influx of pakistanis returning back because obviously you know they've adjusted the lifestyle of uh, abroad uh, and you know their pay scales are completely different so uh, you know some of the startups that are actually st- uh, you know creating uh, their presence in pakistan may not be able to uh, they need to, to have much more stronger incentives to bring them back so it is a definitely a trend trend a lot of the co-founders or the founders of companies that are uh, currently established have had experience abroad and then they're coming back and and trying to establish because they've got that wealth that they need uh, and they're not really motivated by money they're motivated by building something that's just genuine authentic but that trend is slow i, I wouldn't say that you know oh everybody's just coming back to pakistan however uh, what i do feel is that there's a massive interest for expat pakistanis to invest in pakistan so i've i've had conversations that where people want to say that can you find me an engineering team or a tech team or a, a you know design team or a co-founder or a cto within pakistan who would be willing to co 
pilot this this new venture that I have in mind and we can target Pakistan or we can build it uh, from over here. So Kareem is a great example. Kareem primarily the growth came from the Middle East region, but uh, their engineering team was in Pakistan, in Karachi, right? And, and you know, housed uh, under this uh, umbrella group called Venture Dive. Um, and, and they basically did the, all the engineering. Even Pakistan for uh, for my company at bait.com, uh, as well as VFairs. VFairs is primarily US audience that, that we drive a lot of revenue from, but we have about 175 resources in Pakistan, right? And uh, and the, the CEO of that company sits in Canada, while I'm, I'm sort of bouncing between Canada and Pakistan uh, to manage both those teams. So there is this coming to your second question, this this uh, openness to become remote now, that doesn't necessarily have to be that I have to be in a certain demographic uh, to, to really uh, scale a, a startup. I can still be, you know, outside that and then, you know, continue that uh, communication and, and still build a, a startup from Pakistan. But the remote culture is definitely picking up. I can say for myself, like VFairs, uh, the company that I currently work for, you know, we were very uh, specific of uh, on hiring only in Lahore because that that before that uh, you know the pandemic extra anything happened uh, we were just thinking that okay if we hire in Lahore they will come to the office and we ju- we just want to build from there but now we've completely opened up to the entire nation it doesn't matter where the talent is coming from from Karachi or from Islamabad or from Quetta or from Dera Ghazi Khan doesn't matter like well, let's just connect over you know uh, remote work and and try to build stuff to a, to an extent it was so interesting that in March 2020 uh, when we started decided you know, we will hire from anywhere in the world. Um, December 2020, like nearly nine months later was the first time they actually saw each other face to face in real life. Like we had never seen these people uh, and we had hired and we had been working with them for nine months before then there was an annual fiesta that we had where we actually got to see each other. So yeah, remote work is definitely picking up. Most probably it'll, it'll turn into a sort of a hybrid model uh, moving forward because people do want to come back in box, uh, you know, to the office and have that you know, sense of uh, social interaction as well. Uh, but having said that, I think uh, yeah, remote work has also simplified a lot of things um, and, and made uh, it easier to connect different uh, talent pools together and, uh, and then try to you know, create something from there. Interesting. I think uh, I believe uh, hybrid work will stay. We are also opening mm. up office in September. We mm. have hired people who have not met each other. and But <laughs> there is definitely a home fatigue, meaning people yeah. in their late 20s living with their parents, they get a bit you know, tired that, oh, yeah. now they want their own community. So more like escaping from the house uh, and yeah. talking to people of their age because... Yeah. There are limitations of what you can do at house. And a lot of people are in tier two, tier three cities of India, and they don't have enough, you know, social interactions. Whereas you are in Bangalore, Mumbai, Delhi, you have a lot mm. of things to do. But if you are in Amritsar, you mm. only have five cafe which you can go and how many times will you go? That's yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree. In fact, like uh, you know, one thing to add over here and and i i am a big uh, proponent of the fact that there's mental health is very so much associated with how you work as well right so uh, back in 2009 when i started as a product manager and uh, you know i was given the reins of, of uh, uh, you know working on on different startups you always want a sounding board you always want to bounce your ideas off yeah. someone who can sort of understand you 
and at least you know give you some input or feedback uh, when you're at home obviously there is slack and there is zoom but you know that that level of intimacy is missing uh, which is why like you can't really have those hallway chats yeah. you know like you're going into the canteen and then you're having lunch with a with a colleague and you're just brainstorming you know yeah. that natural uh, interaction just gets missing and then people sort of miss that definitely i mean you can make a slack channel called water cooler chat but the actual yeah. chat which happen which is out of nowhere it's totally random yeah. and people yeah. talk about future of the company the product the idea and then they come yeah. back and discuss whereas yeah. you get on a call a uh, zoom call you have an agenda <laughs> you finish that agenda and you go back yeah. so yeah let's see how it works uh, covid yeah. has impacted a lot but right. i think those were all my questions and honestly i got to know a lot about the tech ecosystem in pakistan and the startup scene in pakistan definitely when you are building the community let me know if i can be of any help in product management uh thank you we would love to engage and take it forward but thanks a lot thank you thank you prashant really uh, i appreciate you inviting me i'm honored and uh, yeah let me know if i can uh, be of service uh, to the product management community and uh, uh, you know aid in any way thank you definitely